0: Well, please do go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start uh, at verse 14, but there's obviously a lot of context previous to these verses about the body life, about how the Holy Spirit came and formed one body, that is the church, and then forming. That body. They're spiritual gifts that have been imparted to the each local congregation and to the universal uh, church as well. Um, and so I think for a time where we're really working through uh, what do we do as a church, and um, we want to continue to minister, obviously, in a full-blown capacity, but we also want to be loving sensitive to all of the concerns that we have. These are uncharted waters. We've talked about this issue uh, of uh, COVID on the left and on the right and the center and everywhere, but um, it's challenging, but I think we just need to fill our minds with a little bit of understanding of the church, the body of Christ, and that just helps us and guides us in understanding how do I make my own decisions. Um, uh, From my perspective, it's not just been a complicated past year. Uh, From my, what I've been going through, it's just been almost, I would use the word almost impossible in the sense that it's been impossible to try to keep my body going and keep the church strong, keep the church cared for um, and growing. And so much of that work I have not been able to do. But you lay all of that on a church, on a body, and think about what's the dynamic of that. Um, it's, in my situation, impossible to stay on top of all aspects of body life. If you really lay it out and think about how far reaching it is at HBC. We've really grown up and there are new people here and there are a lot of ministries and a lot of needs and wow, but God's doing it and God's working that out. And we just need to make sure that we understand scripture related to body life and then apply that the best we're able, relying completely on God's power. Um, I think spiritually speaking, we have been under attack as a church, but I think that God is showing his abundant grace and his power and really maybe, uh, making you, some of you, more aware of that. And God will do great things through your life as well as you ponder what's happening around you. Not everything that we see is what we see. There are hidden forces that are behind all of this, and uh, we, we need to make sure that we think biblically and we operate in an obedient way to Christ. Um, I think many of you are just realizing how hard it is to thrive, and I use that word, thrive spiritually apart from each other. I mean, I know, we, we, I know that you knew you needed a church, or most of you probably thought that, but now being away from one another for so long, and uh, maybe even when we get together, it's not quite what you thought it used to be, You're just more aware of how hard it is for a local church to thrive spiritually when we are apart from one another. Um, with all of the freedom you might have felt at first from church, all the extra time that you had available for yourself maybe now some of you, and I'm just spraying this out, this doesn't mean it's for everyone, some of you may be just feeling lethargic and drifting, you know, out of love initially uh, in your own heart towards, you know, giving someone some space, now that love may be less of love and maybe more motivated by other things. Um, So the remedy for lethargy and coldness of heart is that we need to the best of our ability, and I have to say it that way, because We are not all in the same place. We have to measure different situations, our health certainly at the top of that. But we are, uh, to the best of our ability, we need to operate as the full-blown body of Christ. Uh, We're just one local congregation, but we need to think about how one local congregation is to be operating and in a sense, you know, get back to that. There is a powerful element in the local congregation that, goes along with the gift of exhortation and there's only so there's only so much that you can do when you're apart from other people trying to exhort in an effective kind of way trying to get into the hearts of people and help them understand what they need for life i use the word exhorting you could use the other word just serving one another there's only so much you can do when you're a little distance from one another it it gets stronger and greater when you're able to interact and connect and you could go on just to the word loving itself um and so many others I hope to get time to cover. The church needs to be spiritually healthy, as well as our body needs to be uh, uh, healthy. And that requires that we draw strength from one another as we gather. You know, even the Greek koine term, the church, ecclesia, means a gathering. It means an assembly. It kind of morphed into that meaning over time from classical Greek. But that's what it means. If there weren't regular gatherings, there wouldn't be this thing called a church. So we know that element is a crucial part of uh, our existence in the community. You have heard me say that we are a word-driven dynamic body. It just means that the way we approach church is we want to preach the word of God and then see the dynamic that the Holy Spirit uh, creates through that. And what is part of that dynamic? is everyone is using their spiritual gift and love to build up the body so that we grow up into Christ, we grow up into unity and maturity. And that's what Ephesians 4 was really talking about. The scripture presents a very high view of membership in God's church. Today, in America, not so much. If you belong to a church, fine. If you don't, you can get around to it six months from now, 12 months from now. But in heaven, as God sees it, it's the focal point of what he's doing inside the world. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21 is just a sample. It says, to Christ be the glory in the church and in Christ, I'm sorry, to God be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Wow, well, that's quite a statement. In First Timothy, it calls the church the household of God. How long do you stay away from the household of God? We don't really want to do that, right? It calls the church, uh, it's the church of the living God, and it calls the church the pillar and the support of the truth. Well, that means that there's a lot of lying going on out there, and the church needs to be there to support the truth. So the church has to be healthy. The church has to be fed. The church has to be operating. The church has to go on. And here we are, a church that is under attack in a sense, and or has been, and is dealing with many different issues, and we need somehow to come together and make that work as we're patient, gentle, and kind with one another. This is a tricky situation, and piecing it all together is not easy. But I really believe that our elders have been gentle, kind, wise in, in doing the best we can to guide the shepherding during this time. I don't think that we're necessarily right. I don't think we're necessarily wrong. I just wanted to lay that out as, wow, this is something we need to continue to pray about, think about. But here we go. I want to put some, I want to put some of God's truth about the body life into your mind today. I'm going to go ahead and read our text. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Started at verse 14, and we'll kind of go down through here, and you'll see. Pretty easy to interpret. Kind of gets at you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 27. For the body is not one member, Paul writes, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, you see Paul trying to be graphic here, Because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason, any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? Verse 18. But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable are on these we bestow more abundant honor and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And there's so much more here, but I want to just punctuate it with verse 27. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Well, the passage is really saying the same thing back and forth, and so it's kind of hard to get an outline, but I'm going to give it this way. I mean, the first point is, and these are truths about church activity. We could call it truths about church activity. The first is that the church is one body, and it's composed of many members. That just flies out as you read the text. There's only one body, and you read that even earlier uh, in places. Uh, The Holy Spirit, when he came, he did not create one Jewish body, one Gentile body, whatever. It's all one body. But in that body, there are different members. There are many members. And so we need the the many members so that we can fulfill the purpose of the one body. That should kind of jump out at you. And that's in verses 14 and 19. And then the second truth is that all the members must own their position in the body. You are part of the body. It's not asking you to be part of the body if you're a believer. It's saying you are, but you must own that that this is my role. This is what God gave me. Yes, I have spiritual giftedness that goes along with it, but my presence, my activity that I'm doing there is necessary. The, the men up front who lead, they cannot do the ministry all by themselves. There's too many facets and aspects to that one body. We need you. And then third, which body are we talking about? And wow, this could have been put at the front, but the body we're talking about, look at verse 27 is the body of Jesus Christ. Not his physical body, but his metaphorical body, his physical body is seated at the right hand of God, the father almighty, his uh, body in a spiritual sense, coming through the power of the Holy spirit and now indwelling every true believer. That is what connects us. And that what, that's what makes us one body. We are one body. So we're going to go through these truths and reflect on them, how it applies to you. If you really don't want to talk or think in your mind about, you know, the COVID crisis and you have another application, That's the beauty of expository preaching, that God can take it and impress it upon your heart. Um, How is God working in your life? Where do you want to serve? How do you feel about your connection to a congregation? There are many ways to apply this. Well, look back at verse 14, if you would. Uh, Chapter 12, verse 14. And you'll see there Paul impressing the truth of the unity and the diversity of Christ's church. Look at the amazing diversity. The body has these various couplets that Paul brings out. There is the hand and the foot, it says. The ear and the eye. The hearing and the seeing. Do you see it? The weak members and the strong members. All these little couplets he wants to bring out. There are the seemly members and the unseemly members. The suffering members and the rejoicing members. I think this passage illustrates well What we read in our scripture reading, Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16, the proper working of each individual part. What is the proper working of your part at Hope Bible Church? You know, everything is supposed to fit. Every part is needed. At first, you may bumble around and not know what you're supposed to be doing in church, but you have a role. You're saved. You need to come find that role and fulfill it. Now, in a COVID crisis, you have to figure out how to do that safely for you and for your family. But the application and what you are in the body, that remains the same. This is really exciting, I think. In verses 14 through 19, Paul is illustrating that first truth. One body, but many different members. One body, many different members. Every different function of the body is there because God placed it there. The body needs hearing. Hearing. It needs seeing and smelling. I need a little stronger legs. I wish I had some stronger oomph uh, to get up and going, but the body needs all of that. Um, his question in verse 19, if you let your eyes kind of go all the way down there, kind of proves his point. If they were all one member, where would the body be? There's no wisdom in gifting every Christian in the same way, making them look all alike, and we bumping into each other and not get stuff done. So we have to work you know, together. So the different gifts of the spirit are working together, and that's a real challenge in and of itself to get people that have passions and burdens that relate to their own spiritual gifts and get them to cooperate with others that are looking at another corner of the church and saying, I want to invest my time and my money more over there. That's a challenge, but we work on that. So in all the areas of ministry, they kind of grow up together. So I would say to you, recognize your giftedness and your presence as necessary In the body of Christ, the other parts of the body, even if they're bothered at you, really do need you. It's not an act of pride for you to step forward and say, this is where I can volunteer my services and then start caring for others. You know, I really love the rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That kind, that's from Romans 12, and that that helps us to think beyond ourselves to others or pray for one another James chapter 5 and verse 16. I think we've been doing really well praying for one another, at least it seems that way, electronically. But there are other areas where it's hard to do that electronically. Well, if we were to pass that on, we would say, some people out in our congregation are bothered and concerned and hurting. How do we make sure that we have connection with them and get comfort to them? Where we say, your trial is my trial and your burden is my burden. Your pain is my pain. Yes, your joy is my joy as well. Your success is our success. And then, of course, we could apply this by saying, don't try to do everything yourself. Rely on others. It gets into that in verses 21 through 24 of this chapter. And that's why if you go all the way down to verse 29, it says, all are not apostles, are they? In other words, not everybody's going to be gifted the same. We have to rely on the whole body. Paul, of course, expects there to be this no after each question. In fact, the questions leave an emphatic conclusion. You can't have every gift. You can't do it all. We need everybody down in there. Well, of course, with less involvement in the body of Christ, what happens when there's less involvement in the body of Christ? Just think about that. We we kind of shut this ministry down. We shut that down. We no longer meet here, no longer meet there. At first, people might say, well, that's good. We're giving ourselves a break and all. But over time, where's the function of the gifts of the spirit, the dynamic to the body, people that are hurting that need to be cared for, the love that needs to be shown, yes, to protect your family from a virus, but also to show love to someone else. I've seen many of you guys thinking creatively about how to do that. And that just shows God's, God's word and work gets through even in those kinds of circumstances. But that's not the normal body of Christ. And of course, through the centuries, as the church has been attacked in different ways, you know, they've had to deal with, what do we do when a plague hits and how do we continue to meet and what do we do here and there? And they thought it through and they prayed it through and they came up with creative ideas. And I've seen that happen at Hope and that's exciting. But the challenge also is that in exercising love and truth, we we picked these ministries and they, they happened for a reason, that it was necessary to help people and to bring people in and train them with leaders. And that's exciting also. That shows people working together. Less involvement in the body of Christ, problems do indeed develop. Now, I know some of you think you don't have anything to offer. The church coming in at a time like this, it might be hard to get all the information you want, but connect with people and find a way to serve. That's two bits of advice I'd give you. Connect with people, make friends, get to know them, love them, let them love you, and then make sure you serve in some way. That's a good beginning spot. And then you can search out about membership and what all of that means. I know some of you come to church just to hear a good message. You know, you're alone. You need a good message. You want to be challenged. That's good. You need a good message. I need a good message. I cannot tell you how much this church, even when I'm home, ministers to me. I weep at home. I sing uh, as loudly as I can. And I that's just as an expression of my heart. I long to get back here as well with you guys. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, but uh, I don't want to just hear a good message. You know, we want to, be with good people, and we want to serve along the good body of Christ and inside them. When you don't get enough contact in your own life, there's just things that begin to disintegrate or can begin to disintegrate in your passion for your love for Christ and your service toward him. It's not hard to figure this out, that if you're not around other believers, well, then who are you being around? If someone's not you know, exhorting in your ear, what is getting in your ear? And that's not to make anyone feel guilty. That's to kind of set you up and say, let's be alert. What's going on here? How do we make sure our passions for the things of God that the Holy Spirit is trying to stir up inside of us, how do they continue? How do we continue to grow and increase in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? And that's what these, this fellowship on Sunday morning is about. That's what a class in the back room is about. that's what a men's meal together does. You come in and you feel like, ah, why did I you know get out of bed this morning? Is this too hard?" And then you realize in many cases that by the time you're heading home, something has stirred up inside of you. Well, that's not you, beloved. That is the spirit of God stirring up inside of you, using the means of grace of the Word of God to spur you on, and now you want to spend a little more time with someone else maybe you're Checking who you want to text or who you might want to get together with. Again, exercising the caution that you believe you need the caution. You can only make decisions as far as your faith allows you to do that in security and safety. But this is to think about and to pray about. Um, some people don't care at all about being involved in a local church. They don't even recognize their own identity. Uh, they don't feel that in their walk with Christ, they need to have a walk with other believers. I remember some guy telling me, I don't need to come to church. I just follow God on my own. But didn't he realize the truth of this passage, that we're all one body in Christ? To follow Christ is to put yourself in a body of believers. That's who we are. And So, so just having said some things that may have sound too strong to some of you, I just want you to remember that um, we're not here to judge one another about COVID or to measure what you should do in this situation or that situation. Um, I preached way back in the spring or even into the summer. This is a conscious issue with people, and so we just leave it at that level. But we need to spur on us to more love and good deeds so we can see the quality and the health of this beautiful church that that God has has given to all of us with Jesus Christ as the head of that church. Um, some of you need to pray for more courage, I believe. Um, Some of you need to ask God, increase my faith. Um, I don't know, but that's something you can be praying and thinking about. Again, to say it again, to function as a church, we need the workers on Sunday. We need you here. We need you here serving, speaking. You, if you didn't figure anything else out, or you didn't follow me well, or I didn't say it well this morning, you are indispensable to our church. You are. So if you lag behind, just think of the missing pieces to the operation. One of those missing pieces is you. So now you have to figure out how can I really be serving the Lord my Christ, fitting in to the work in the body that I need to be doing so that body, my part, fits into there. And in love, we grow up together, as it says there in Ephesians 4. And then the maturation of our congregation, the awareness of false doctrine, the unity of, And knowing Christ, all of that happens as a dynamic. We can get that done a little bit apart from one another, but it gets harder and harder. And really, when you think of these as incessantly given throughout the New Testament, you see that there's no way we're really going to become that healthy church without actually being together more. Now, we see things opening up in society, and we're very happy about that. It might be easier to exercise faith in an environment like that I don't know in your situation what was right or wrong to do. I don't want to presume on any of that. I just know it's a great time to be thinking, praying about it and taking the next steps so that we can really see HBC take off and grow and become mature. All right. Now, the second point in here, and again, there's nothing really profound about this because I think it leaps off the page. All the members must own their position in the body. They must own their position in the body. And we've already said it, so I don't know. I want to skip part of this because in some ways you already know this. We don't want any divisions in the body. We don't want to tolerate that. Um, In verses 20 to 26, it kind of illustrates that. Same thing in verses 14 all the way through 20. We're just seeing the event in a reverse order. The members have need of each other. They must work interdependently, not independently. A body's not running around with different pieces. They're all connected, so they're needed. And so Paul's really presenting in verses 14 through 20, and then 20 to 26, the same truth kind of in a reverse order. But what he's saying is no division in the body can be tolerated. If one member suffers, all the members must care for it. Why? Because it's a body. Even the smallest hurt way over there can prevent the rest of the body from functioning fully. I think Paul just takes a very simple illustration of the human body, and he communicates it profoundly and powerfully. The body must not have division. And yet the body must not be uniform either. You need the different kinds of pieces that look different and act different and function different. That diversity is what helps us get a wide array of ministry done. Have you ever thought about when we say the church is the body of Christ? And there for a while, Jesus for three and a half years was walking on earth and his body was right there. And he performed every kind of ministry that was needed from the healings that he did, to exhortation. He was clearly a giver. You kind of look through all the spiritual gifts and you say, well, they just kind of oozed out of the teaching ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, a great teacher. um, He was sent by the Father. So in that sense, he was an apostle of the Father. He was a prophet. He had all the spiritual gifts. And then he bestows that not to one person, not to Peter or to Paul alone or to John, but he distributes it now in a newly formed body. And he tells that body, go do that ministry. And so they go and they do that ministry. And that's why there has to be diversity, because we're all going to be involved in different ministries at times. And some of you are going to be much better in one area of ministry and others of you are going to be, you know, excel in in another area. But you are still needed. I think that when we look at the diversity, we say, yay, when the Lord Jesus exercised it, it all worked with perfect wisdom. But when we put all of that wisdom and that diversity of giftedness into a group of newly saved sinners, can that create problems? And yes, it can. Because different people will want their area of ministry or their area of giftedness to be um, building up the body maybe more than others. And so they're like, hey, what about more attention to this area? Hey, what about more funding for this area? And that can cause problems. But the the love of ministry, the diversity of ministry for the whole body of Christ, that's a good thing. And that's what we want to see restored. So we get away from being independent and we get back to being interdependent and then that improves the way ministry is done in the local church. Um, And, of course, I'll say one more time in terms of the warning, don't think of your area or don't think of someone else's area as a superior area of spiritual giftedness. The word-driven dynamic body model works, whether it's Acts 2, Ephesians 4, or here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it works because It's driven by the word of God, and then God's word gets into our hearts and minds, and then we apply God's word indeed. Um, So keep that also in your heart as you pray for Hope Bible Church as we go forward. And third and last is the simple truth again, and this also leaps off the page, and um, it is that the body we're talking about is the body of Jesus Christ, the body of Jesus Christ. And wow. Wow. How did that body get formed? Well, if, given more introductory material back in the first verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you would see that it talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in verses uh, 12 and 13. If you just glance your eyes back there. For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Now he's not talking about water baptism there. And all the, I'm sorry, we're baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and picturing the Holy Spirit as a gift that we would drink from. But we all drink from the same cup. We all drink from the same source, is the idea. And so that spiritual baptism that happened in Acts chapter 2 put us all into one body. What body was that? That's what we're dealing with. The answer is it's the body of Jesus Christ. It's not the body of some other religious figure or somebody else. You, when you believed in Jesus Christ to save you from sins, if you believed in Jesus Christ, you were immediately not only saved and forgiven of your sins, but you were placed into a body. The body is the body of Jesus. You were placed in that body to show forth the glories of Jesus Christ as we are assembled. You were put in the body so you'd be more effective in your ministry and service. You were put in uh, the one body so you would know your identity. I'm now a follower of Jesus. I am uh, one who is not just a disciple of Jesus before the Spirit came, but after Jesus ascended up into heaven, he poured forth the Holy Spirit, and that Spirit unified all of God's true believers and children into that church. So that's who you are. That's where you belong. And that's what we need to think about when you go making your decisions about how you want to operate in the time that you have for church. So go back all the way to verse 27 now, just so you can see what body was talking about. Go down to verse 27, now you are Christ's body. I think that is kind of the, uh, the one truth that's being pointed to here, um, kind of the climax of the statement you have. All of these members in one body. Now, the body is one, but what body have we been talking about, um, Paul? And the answer is we're talking about Christ's body. Who am I? I am a member of Christ's body. Who are you? You are a member of Christ's body. Slow down. Think about that. I'm a member of Christ's body. How then should I function? What do I plan to do with my time? How do I offer my services? How do I offer my treasures? That's the applicational area. Many times people come to church, they want to know, well, what am I supposed to do? So we're backing up here and saying, well, you won't know what to do until you understand who you are. If you understand who you are, and this is kind of basic, isn't it? If you understand who you are, then you know, this is what I need to go and do. And now the Holy Spirit that has taught you the truth and on this Sunday, the skimming of First Corinthians chapter 12, and we really just skimmed it. You take a skimming of that truth, and now that truth is in your mind. The uh, pastor teacher has done his role, got you the word of God. But now what's supposed to be going on inside of you is you're praying about that, and you're opening up your heart. You're asking God to work in your life. What should I then do? What is my role? How do I apply this? And not wanting to be a legalistic church, we're not going to give you a list of these are the five things that you need to take home, memorize, and do all of that. This is in your realm. This is your relationship with God. And this is uh, your willingness to submit to God uh, going forward. What should I do? And then for the rest of us also, it is not to judge the other man and say, yeah, but I don't think the way that he applied the text is right. First of all, he has a different set of health circumstances. He has a different set, he or she, has a different uh, circumstance with whom they might be living. Um, There are just multiple factors that come into play. So what we do is we get busy exhorting, loving, serving, not judging, but accepting as we learned about in Romans 14. And that's how we through the, uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit inwardly help us to walk through times like this and really care for other people. I just keep If you're kind of troubled and you want to know, what am I supposed to be doing? Focus on, well, who who are you? Uh, You are a member of the body of Christ. So yes, service in church is necessary. If you're going to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, God has made that clear. There's no way we can even fulfill the great commission to the church without people getting out and getting together. Paul took that, Wonderful young man, Timothy, and had to continue to try to stir up the gifts of the spirit that Timothy had. Uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14, he warned Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have. Do not neglect is the verb, leo, and it can be translated to have no concern for or to walk away from it. And so Timothy faced some serious opposition from the pagan culture from within his church. And he was evidently tempted to abandon pastoral duties and just let go. I don't. I, I doubt it had anything to do with a virus. But my point is that they're just making facing different difficulties, and they're having to deal with them. Were there dangers, physical dangers that Timothy uh, was faced with in Ephesus there? And as he ministered his spiritual duties, and he had uh, he needed to stir up his spiritual gift, that that kind of got in the way. Boy, I wonder if some nights. He wondered if this Christian stuff was going to take his life. Maybe, but he needed that truth and then he needed to pray and then he needed to think about that and God would help him with the application in his own heart. There are great pressures and great demands and great discouragements in Christian ministry. And I don't just mean in full-time ministry. In any ministry you might try to engage in. If this year it's this COVID thing, In your life, maybe not across the country, but in your life, next year, it may be some other thing that you're facing. And then that affects you. How do I apply that? How far should I go? How much commitment should I make? What danger might I allow my family to get into? I don't think these are questions that are going to be in our minds just one year. I think sometimes there's steps of faith that have to be taken, and they're uncomfortable or dangerous. Application. From meditating on Scripture, that's the way forward. In fact, if you go to Second Timothy 1:6, you can do that if you want. But I'm just going to read it here. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Now he's uh, writing to Timothy again, and he says, "I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you." Wow, I think that word is related to you know when you have the ashes and you stir it up a little bit, and then it kind of takes those smoldering flames and it allows it to burn a little bit. You feel a little more heat from it. So what happened in between those two things where he was to stir up his gift and now to stir the gift up again? I'll tell you one thing, it helps this pastor and I know it helps other people who are teaching a Sunday school class or who are maybe teaching some other class. It helps them to hear some words from people who attend in person to encourage them. Man, that helps as well. That encourages. When you spot somebody and they're doing something right, I'm not saying, well, you rush into their safe zone here, guys. You know, you got to be careful with that. You know, you want to help so much that all of a sudden your face is where it ain't ought to be. You know, you got to use some discretion there. But you spot them, you see what they're doing, and you get into there close enough to them and, I don't know, some word, something that you know they would be comfortable with that encourages them. That's the kind of thing I'm trying to convey to you. Stir it up again. Look what you're doing. It's so wonderful. You have God Bless you, brother and sister, for, for doing that. Because there is a measure of fear that is involved there. People don't, people don't always know what should I do in this situation. There is not a right or a wrong. And so um, I just wanted to bring that to your attention as well. Well, brothers and sisters, I think that in some cases, the fervency of our service has kind of gone down. Is that understandable? Yes, I think it's understandable. I'm very happy with the way our church has for the most part, responded to this. We've gotten so much help, um, so much guidance, um, but the Lord is stirring us, and we are a body. We are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't want to get into all the details of the passage here because I think most of the truth just kind of jumps off the page at you, but I wanted to remind you who you are. You are part of the body of Christ, a member of the, the greatest organism in this world, And uh, since that's who we are, then in terms of practice, be prayerful and careful in uh, how you apply that as we serve one another, go forward, trying to get more of our workers back, trying to uh, be sensitive to what some of our workers are comfortable with and others are not. There are many facets to that, and we want to try to do the best we can to be loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, amen? And at the same time, be able to do things that are wisely moving forward with the ministry. It's not easy, it's not simple, um, and I'm not preaching this message simply because, you know, at this point in time, there's something bad that's going on. No, not at all. I just think it's a good time to remind us of these biblical ecclesiology truths that in my mind are fascinating. We, a body, connected to Christ as the head, fulfilling what he wants done in the world, given glorious titles, marching forward in a dark and a sinful world. God has empowered us, entrusted us with all of that, and it's just marvelous. It's a uh, it's great, great power and a great, great privilege to be a part of that. I, uh, I've i heard someone say, Christ bled for us, the least we could do is sweat for his kingdom. Well, I'm not sure that applies in this situation, the sweat part about it, but maybe rekindle. We need to get it cranked up again, do it carefully and slowly. Um, bring the best music you know how to bring, uh, just because, you know, you couldn't see everybody doesn't mean we, we don't bring the best music. I love hearing the instrumentalists really get into that. I think that's fantastic. Um, Prepare to give the most excellent teaching. Sometimes it's hard looking into a little cubicle and say, ah, I don't even know if they're listening to my lesson anymore. But you want to give your best uh, because you're part of the body of Christ and you serve him who is the head. Um, You want to be the finest and the most alert usher service. Um, If you go out visiting someone because you care that they're all alone, you want to get out there and make sure they're really loved. Um, There's so many different Spiritual gifts, you could kind of add the list on there. Um, I want to kind of close before we get to our uh, communion service, our Lord's Supper. I want to close by just surveying some of the, uh, I guess I'll call it some of the uh, one-anothers of the New Testament. Some of the one-anothers. These one-anothers you're well aware of, if I were to say to you, when we're commanded in the New Testament, to do something for one another or to one another, what might come to your mind? You might say what? Love one another, serve one another, pray for one another, amen? Well, Galatians 5.13 says that. It says, serve one another. How do you do that when it's hard to get physically connected with others? Look that passage up, Galatians 5.13. And then there's greet with a holy kiss. And I imagine that's hard enough for us to do you know when we're when we're always gathering together, but I don't know if the screens have smudgies on them or whatever. But Romans sixteen sixteen, Second Corinthians thirteen twelve. There's that affection that needs to be shown. Some men and women are comfortable with less physical, uh, you know, touch, and others are uh, want more more uh, ability to have closeness, and so some people value that more than others as well. Don't judge one another. We learned about that in the summer in Romans 14. Accept one another and their judgments. That's also Romans 14. Pray for one another. We talked about that. Well, I, I think personally, a lot of folks may have joined into more and more and greater and greater prayer during this time. Here's a hard one to do when you're not in the same room with someone else, and that is to admonish one another. Now, if you're in the same room, you want to convey with your eyes, your body posture, I love you, but I've got to say something a little more difficult to you. And um, that's what admonishing is. I want to teach you the truth. I want to there's a little bit of correction in it. There's some exhortation in that term. And I want to I want to try to straighten you. I want to try to get you going in the right direction. And that might be really kind of hard to do on the phone. Like, did they understand me properly? And so even using that one anothering othering seems to diminish unless you are in the same room with them. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about the Lord's Supper. What was that even meant to convey in terms of gathering, Um, forgiving one another? Well, I guess yeah, I might send a note to someone, or they might forgive from a distance if that were the only way to do it. But how much better it is to be in the room and to be trying to understand your brother or sister and say, you know, I forgive you for that, or would you please forgive me for this? It the, the connection that God draws in that situation. All in the same room. That I think is much more powerful in terms of forgiveness. Well, we could go down the line. There's so many of these one and I think they're over 20. You could make a study of this even in your own quiet time. Stimulating one uh, one another to love and the good deeds. Again, done better when you're right there with them, when you know them. Being devoted to one another. Well, you got to show up somewhere if you're going to be devoted to one another. Um, maintaining the same mind. Again, if you're gathering, you know each other, you're connecting like in a small group. Man, it's much more easier to achieve that oneness of mind. Waiting for one another, that comes in the context of celebrating the Lord's Supper to First Corinthians 11 verse 33. Um, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and giving thanks to the Lord. Do you realize that that one another also is put in the context of people being in the same room and together, bearing with one another. All have faults. If uh, we immediately jump on people's faults and we don't bear with one another, that's difficult enough. But then when you're not there to explain yourself to someone else, it becomes harder and it becomes harder and harder. And by the way, I should have said this also, that it becomes harder over time. This isn't something where when you're apart for three weeks or five weeks or 10 weeks, but when that turns into 20 weeks and that turns into 50 weeks, where are we now? Anyways, I don't even know. The weight of that and the effect of that negatively on a congregation can be noticeably seen more by who? By those that are down in the trenches and have seen, okay, this is starting to affect our church in subtle and quiet ways that maybe folks that just show up on Sundays don't realize, but it's happening. How is it happening? It's happening with a little bit of coldness. It's happening with a little bit of lethargy. It's happening that over time, people just don't know what to do to help out anymore. And when everyone begins to have that happen to them, then the overall effect on the body can be, doesn't have to be, but can be sort of to the detriment of that spiritual vitality I was talking about. And so we need to stir up the gift and uh, rely on each other. Uh, You are in the same body I am in, the body of Christ, and we need each other. Oh, there's so many more. If we were to bring it full circle around, we'd bring it to John 13, where Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another. Wow, was he emphatic. Translating that, broadening that out a little bit, he meant to say that if the Old Testament law were to be summarized in our obligation towards one another, it would be in that phrase, love one another. If there's one thing that must be going on among my disciples, it is love one another. And so I command that. That's my teaching, and I'm commanding that of you. In fact, after where we were last Sunday in Matthew 7, he, after he talked about prayer, Jesus said, summing up the law and the prophets is, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That is the love commandment. And so that's what we bear. We've come full circle back to it. We do it best when we're gathered, and in gathering towards one another, we show that love and commitment there. As long as we continue to be accepting, as long as we continue to be careful and loving and measured and understanding, that it's not going to all move in one little direction. It's going to move as we carefully and prayerfully work together. Amen and amen for that. Um, I'd like to just say a prayer, and then um, we're going to have our Lord's Supper. Heavenly Father, thank you for your peace and your uh, protection, just your protection on this congregation. Thank you for your power. Uh, Lord, thank you for guarding many in our church. And thank you, Lord, for this very simple truth that, Lord, I pray just jumps off the page, that we need each other, we're connected to each other, we're one body, uh, we have many members, and the members do not serve all the same function. Bless us in that. May our meditations this week, Lord, be centered on you and how we can please you and walk in your power. And we pray that in Jesus' blessed and holy name, amen.